Hey, could you turn that down? Never! Y'all, I am your host, Young Smoothie. You are tuned into another episode of Kicking It with Young Smoothie, the podcast where I chill out for a moment, go over some of the hottest topics, and go over my favorite, favorite albums. And today is a great, classic, iconic album, as you can see from the title. Don't forget that you can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is YouTube Music, Google uh, podcast, your purple podcast player, Spotify, and YouTube as well. That show will be coming back. I know I say it every so often. Working, just trying to get my life back together, so we're going to make that happen. All right, so the last time's kick that lyric was Missy Elliott, Pussy Don't Fail Me Now. Yes, one of my all-time favorites. Um, So, real quick, and I'll probably mention it again at the end. Um, This... I got a couple things to say, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Coming up on Saturday, I'll be hosting a Halloween event at the Green Turtle with my man DJ Evil Empire. Um, So if you are in the Baltimore metropolitan area and you want to come on out, definitely come out. It's going to be a great time. Shout out to the Wolfpack. Uh, of Franklin so you know they are a local high school and it is going to be dope it's going to be a dope moment believe you me and I look forward to seeing you there we're going to have you know a couple of giveaways so it's going to be really dope I appreciate it um all right oh and also let me tell y'all what happened okay I was like oh I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on time this week oh so sorry so the reason for not being on time was unfortunately within about two weeks ago, my Uncle Benny passed. However, I will say this. Um, with that happening, uh, it actually was a good thing in a certain kind of way. His passing kind of prompted me 
to speak to my father again. We haven't spoken in a couple of years and, you know, we slowly trying to repair our relationship. So I'm happy about that. It could be worse. Um, the conversation, we had a great, almost two hour conversation and it was really, really good. And I really appreciate him for that. And I appreciate the growth in him as he's recognized the growth in me. So super excited about that. All right. So this week, Kick That Lyric comes from a phenomenal artist. Just, I can't give it away because it's just so great. And you should know it because it's an iconic, classic, classic song. All right. So it reads, I treat this like my thesis. Well-written topics broken down into pieces. I introduce then produce words so profuse. It's abuse how I juice up this beat. Like I'm deuce, two people both equal like Gemini, rather Simeon. If I jimmy on the lock, I can pop it. Um, sorry, if I jimmy on the lock, I can pop it. You can't stop it. Your whole crew's microscopic, like particles, while I make international articles. And on the cover, don't discuss the baby mother business. I've been in this third LP. You can tell I witness. First handed, I'm candid. You can't stand it. Respect demanded and get flown around the planet. Rock hard like granite or steel. People feel me from Newark to Israel. And this is real. So I keep making the streets ballots. While you looking for dressing to go with your tossed salad. Okay. Artist is dope. A iconic legendary artist with one single album let me know in the comments who you think that person is i'm sure you can guess it this is so super easy all right so let's get into news that you can or cannot use chris brown clowns (laughs) chris brown clowns kanye west's new haircut i'm sorry kanye i i why why did it look like that? This is this these are the problems. Chris Brown has some thoughts on Kanye's new haircut on Monday. The artist now legally known as Yee. I, I don't even know why that's a thing. Um debuted a bizarre new hairstyle featuring shaved patches of hair. His new look became a trending topic as social media weighed in. Um quote All right. I'm getting you Bosley for men on Christmas Day. Don't worry. Commented one of Yeezy's Instagram followers. While another asked, quote, brother, you beefing with the barber? End quote. Chris Brown also decided to join the roast, posting several memes clowning Yee, including one of Stevie Wonder giving him a haircut. Chris Brown continued to have a laugh at Yee's expense. He asked the barber, um... <laughs> Quote, he asked the barber for the fucked up worldwide fade. 
he wrote alongside paparazzi pics of ye with his new do quote nigga want to make what the fuck in a style i i can't stand y'all he got the punishment haircut i'm done y'all is y'all is ridiculous and chris brown i can't not the punishment haircut y'all i cannot do this what the fuck he also posted the wood emoji and captioned bro give me the wood clipper uh bowl fade Mm-mm, while he may be joking chris and kanye's relationship has been strained as of late in august chris blasted his waves uh collaboration for taking him um off his album donda quote kanye a whole ho not a half a ho but a whole ho breezy wrote after his vocals were removed from the uh song new age amid their fallout ye reportedly reached out to chris to smooth things over quote chris is very passionate is a very passionate artist but they'll figure it out Kanye's manager, Boo Thang, sorry, totally messed that up, uh, told TMZ, quote, they're just creators having their beef and shit like that. But it's all good. Chris's family does. Well, that is good. I'm glad. But what in the whole holy fuck, Kanye? Why the fuck does it look like a pack of raccoons is living in your head and they just munching on your shit? Why in the whole holy hell does it look like a railroad track came over? Like they were NASCAR derbying on your shit. Like what is going on? Like Kanye pulling some stunts, but somebody need somebody need to reel him in because hair is hair amongst other things, and it's not the first time Kanye's had hair things. Sometimes. One time, a couple of times, it's like, okay, it was cool. It may not be the thing that you would do normally, but it was like, all right, it was cool. This just is random and chaoticness. And hair is an extension of who we are. You know, it's how we show up in the world. It's how we present in the world. And if it's not, it doesn't have to be neat and tidy all the time. But if it's not looking like you gave an effort to try, you know, it shows a level of chaoticness in your life you know what i'm saying to you and you can tell that that is what's going on so for more than anything even though we clown and kanye i pray for kanye i do because i think that that is a lot um that is a lot to deal with um i just hope that he um he gets the help that he needs and it's hair so it'll grow back and hopefully he won't decide that he won't do this again because you're getting older so when you make drastic decisions like that in your head sometimes that's the shit that sticks trust me i have a nose part that won't grow back and a yarmulke that is back here living its best life so there there's that uh booty badass unleashes homophobic rant. what the fuck rant on little Nas X again because that's what you do what i don't understand little Nas and bootsy badass continue to be at war while on instagram live on saturday morning Nas trolled his followers by suggesting that he had a collaboration with bootsy despite their well-documented history uh quote i've been on this song with little bootsy bro he said i have this song with little bootsy gonna come out mm. Nas suggested that they had a song together 
was enough to send Bootsy off the handle, taking to Twitter, the Baton Rouge rapper responded with a vile homophobic um, tirade against the industry baby hit maker. Quote, stop trolling me, faggot. Sorry, he said it, not me. LOL. You a whole bitch playing with the gangster. Shake my head. You can keep sucking dick and getting fucked in your ass. You are oddly specific, sir. What the fuck? Like, goddamn. I didn't read this before I got here. That's why I'm just like, I feel laissez-faire about it because I'm just like, what the fuck? Um, you can keep sucking dick and getting fucked in your ass in peace. Hashtag, <laughs> you hate yourself. I would too if I was you, LOL, Nas X. Hey, what? Why? Why? So what is the point? During his unhinged unhinged is a good word unhinged rant, Bootsy even went so far as to suggest that Little Nas kill himself. If you hashtag commit suicide, you would do this world a huge favor. Nobody wants you here. He added, "I'm I'm gonna get there. I, y'all already know. Y'all already know. I'm about to get there. It's fine. I'm about to do it." Um, he spawned even more hate in his since deleted tweet writing stop playing with the straight f word i'm not even going to say the word again lol what how you laughing at it though what what is it Mm. and think about nobody wants you here later in the day Nas appeared to respond to boozy's offensive comments in his typical trolling way quote I am truly sad and I have never been so mortified in my life, he wrote, before making light of the situation. I can't believe Disney Channel has yet to play Halloween Town this entire October. <laughs> Fuck with you, son. Fuck with you. That That's what's up. Uh, when recently asked about Boosie's re- repeated attacks on him, Nas said he wasn't phased by it. Quote, I wasn't Sorry, I was listening to Bootsy in the club the other day. I don't really care. Honestly, I wish he didn't say it, I guess. He told The Breakfast Club in September. But I like the music. I'm going to listen to the music. If somebody got beef with me, that doesn't mean I got beef with them. Meanwhile, Little Nas X earned his number, his third number one on Billboard Hot 100 this week with Industry Baby featuring Jack Harlow. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, he wanted to smoke. Let's get it. Okay. As I adjust the microphone. Um, excuse me. Is, is it on? Is it on? Okay. Uh, little, little bussy, little, 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 little bust down, little boy pussy. Um, sir, shut the fuck up. Shut up. No one cares. What are you doing? Let me, let me say something to you. You are oddly descriptive on what you want another motherfucking man to do. So does that not make you the word in which you have slung to other motherfuckers? You come out of the closet. Y'all bitches, y'all niggas be sitting up here praising Bootsy and all of this shit. But real talk, if you really listen to the... I don't even listen to Bootsy. After it, independent, whatever... And with him and Webby and shit, like, I don't even listen to Boosie. It's not in my lexicon of music. It's not music to me. I don't give a fuck. I'm not even that person. Just like, for instance, 
God forgive me, because I, I still love them. Like, I wasn't a huge Dipset fan together, but I liked them individually. But I will say, y'all are part of the cause, not Dipset, but mainly Bootsy. Like, you are part of the cause of the same niggas, the same niggas that follow you and think that all of this shit is cool, and them niggas be in jail and be fucking other niggas in the ass. Because they gave for the stay. Which booty you were. There's no allegedly in this. At this particular point, you was in there guzzling cock because that's what the fuck you was doing. I, no one can tell me different. No one can say anything different at this point. Because no grown ass man that has children, that has a family that's supposed to be out there getting the bag is so superseded and worried about another motherfucker. Like, you're not going to be worried like that. You are not. You feel what I'm saying to you? Like, yo, the boy is winning. People like his music. Hell, this shit is fucking catchy. I even fuck with the industry baby shit. Like, I was like, oh, it ain't that bad. I might not agree with the a lot of the, the imagery. That is not my forte. But sometimes if you listen to the music without the imagery, uh, it's just what it's supposed to be. It's music. It's entertaining. You know what I'm saying to you? And if you get a message in it in between, so be it. I don't care. Anybody that got anything else to say, stop it. You are worried about another man. I ain't never seen so many people be who who claim that they do not guzzle cock. I, I, I have to say this is my new word. I hate I hate the word cock, but I love using this term. <laughs> I do, I really do, because I feel like it, it fucks with y'all soul. But because y'all are out here guzzling cock clearly, and you don't want nobody to know. You feel a certain goddamn way about the shit. Stop it. This makes you look completely worse. Minus the fact that you out here getting your motherfucking children molested, which is a whole nother story. But at the end of the day, you're making it worse. And you're guzzling cock. I just wanted to say it again for more emphasis so anyone understood that he's out here guzzling cock. This is a thing. This is a thing. Moving the fuck on. Woman claims... She is DMX's 15th, god damn, 15th child amidst a state battle. I mean, when X said he was going to give it to you. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. A uh, Georgia woman has come forward claiming she is one of DMX's children. Mm. Mm. Oh, no, she claimed that she's DMX's 15th child. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. According to page six, Raven Bremer slash Simmons contacted DMX's other adult children in the past few weeks, alleging that um, the late rapper was her father. If so, this would be DMX's 15th child. I'm not surprised. She and the rest of DMX's 14 children will all undergo a DNA test to confirm their paternity. This comes as the battle is shaping up over DMX's estate. On Friday, a judge appointed DMX's three sons, Xavier Tacoma and Sean Simmons, from his 16-year marriage to Tashira Simmons as the temporary administra administrators of their father's estate. DMX's fiance, Desiree Lindstorm, the mother of the five-year-old son, Exodus, uh, 
had oh man, man that nigga was busting them nuts i'm so sorry i know this is supposed to be more of a story but that nigga was getting it in um jesus uh the five-year-old son exodus had appealed to um to be legally declared his common law wife but the judge rejected her claim she along with dmx's older daughter sasha simmons and jade odin I petitioned the court to be in be, to be an administrator of his estate, which is estimated to be worth around one million dollars, which is actually really sad when you really think about it. Because in the grand scheme of things, that man gave us so much music, so many bodies of work, and we're talking about your estimated net worth for your estate is one million dollars. And I, one million is a lot when you ain't got it, but one million versus fourteen people. 15 possibly 15 that ain't that ain't a lot that ain't a lot uh the next big thing is to determine who are the rightful heirs said uh herbert nas the trust and estate attorney of xavier tacoma and sean simmons the estate is going to ask everyone to prove paternity through dna testing all the legal children of dmx will be entitled to an equal share of his estate Despite a successful music and movie career, DMX left behind an estate estimated to be in debt. The lack of a will for DMX has also complicated setting up the estate. Quote, we need to collect assets and pay debts and administration costs, added Nas. We, right, exactly. That's why I was saying that one million is now enough we don't have a lot of information about his income streams but now the temporary administrators have been appointed we can ask questions and expect answers dmx died early april at the age of 50 following a drug overdose mm. which is really really sad but that that brings me to a very valid point it is imperative. Like, I know we don't want to think about the end. And I think that, you know, we think about our mortality. The so more and more, um, you know, we think about, like, our mortality. And we think about, like, how do we live and all of that good stuff. But we don't think about the people that we leave behind. And that is also very imperative. Like, that is something that you, you want to think about you want to make sure you know you're okay um even myself like i got into a point where um so my my cousin had said something to me where she was like her mother outlived her policy and all of that money was gone and it was like what you worked for you know just in the long and short just you know you work and work and work and work and work and then all your money is gone and it's like it's not really anything left now that you've outlived this policy and if she passes now you know after having so many other health issues it's like oh what are you you know what are you left with and then there's so much debt and so on and so forth and especially with dmx being somebody so high profile like that that's a lot of debt and it's a lot of money so where it looks like it's a million dollars a million is going to be nothing in the grand scheme of things because there are so many other people and like i said just splitting between 14 and a possible plus not to mention the fact they talked about administrators um other debt 
you know, they don't know what his streaming income is and if people are not streaming the music. I mean, don't get it twisted. I know that when he died in April, definitely we were streaming the music. But if you're not streaming the music like that, then it just kind of is what it is. And he's not going to make any real residuals like that. And, and I mean, the man unfortunately had a drug habit. So, of course, yeah, he, he blew a vast majority of that money um that he may have accumulated but my heart goes out to the children um i hope that this girl finds out that maybe he is his fa- her father um because everybody needs closure in in a certain kind of way no matter how life went you need closure and that that is a big thing um moving on Nicki Minaj and Young Thug join Elton John on always love you let me tell you something i actually listened to this song and what was crazy was i was like yo what the fuck how sway how how does this work but i but you know what elton john is one of those people that really works with a little bit of everybody like elton john don't discriminate elton john clears his stuff if you want to use it you know he gives a lot of you know permission but you still gotta pay a bag let's not be let's be clear like elton john like look I ain't, I ain't fucking with it. Um, so Elton John's new album, The Lockdown Sessions, arrives today featuring appearances from Little Nas X, Black, and Stevie Wonder. See how it's just, it's all over the place. Um, the star-studded set also includes collaboration with Nicki Minaj and Young Thug, who joined the 74-year-old icon. God, he is 74 years old. That is crazy. 74-year icon on Always Love You. Quote, I've admired Young Thug for a while, and he sampled one of my songs on his track, High, back in 2018. So it was was great to collaborate again, said Elton. And then I was so pleased when Nikki agreed to do it. I'm very grateful to have such talented artists from a totally different genre to me, um, to, to join me on this album and that they, they've included me in this as well. Um, recorded remotely over the last 18 months, lockdown session also features the sounds of Dua Lupa, Assisted Hit, um, Cold Heart, uh, PNAU Remix, plus guest spots from Charlie Poth, Miley Cyrus, Stevie Nicks, and more. That is dope. I, let me tell you something. The song is actually nice. I don't know if it would be a song that I, even though I'm a, I'm a full-fledged barb, let me not sit here and lie to nobody. Um, I, I loved, I loved Nikki's verse on it. I actually like Young Thug on it too. And surprisingly, I'm actually liking Young Thug these days. Like I was very, like the way too sexy song. When Certified Lover Boy came out, I said, oh, this song is a single. Had no idea that the video would be out like in the next couple of days after the, the, the which one call it drop. But, um, and I was right. But even then, I was like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I think that Young Thug, we're used, to, we're getting, we're used to it now. You know, excuse me. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're used to it at this particular point. So I think that his artistry is nice. It's not bad. It could be, it could be worse. And as a matter of fact, let's be clear. We've heard worse. We've heard worse. We hear worse every day. So Young Thug is, is starting to grow on me a little bit. I'm not, 
I'm not super like, eh, I'm not with Young Thug. It's it, Thug is Thug all right, for real. All right, moving on. R. Kelly placed on suicide watch after conviction. Sir, sir, you can't kill yourself. I need the tell-all book. I'm sorry, I'm being messy. I need the tell-all book. I don't give a fuck what nobody's saying. R. Kelly was on suicide watch following his conviction on racketeering charges. In the first court hearing since a Brooklyn federal jury found the R&B singer guilty, Kelly's attorney, Steve Greenberg, said the U.S. Bureau of Prison placed his client on suicide watch, but that has since been lifted. According to the Chicago Tribune, um, monitoring a recently convicted inmate is common practice in the federal prison system. Greenberg did not say whether Kelly had actually expressed a desire to harm himself. Kelly appeared via video from federal jail in Brooklyn during the hearing, but did not speak because no one could figure out how to unmute him. <laughs> I'm sorry. This case just gets it. That's, un, that's unfortunate. That is, un, that's, I didn't mean to laugh. That's unfortunate. Uh, last month, the 54 year old, was convicted on all nine counts by a federal jury in New York, including racketeering, sex trafficking, and sexual in, sorry, oh, I had to sneeze, my bad. Sexual exploitation of a children, um, of, of, of a child, I'm sorry. He faces anywhere from 10 years to a life in prison when he's sentenced on May 4th. Following the guilty verdict, he shared a message with followers on Facebook in which he, I had to say it like this because it sounds bad in which he was disappointed and proclaimed his innocence. I'm not reading it again. Y'all heard that the last time. I'm not. But anyway, past that, Kelly is still facing charges of child pornography and obstruction in Chicago, which also dates back to the 2008 case. The jury... Uh, trial is slated to start August 1st, 2022 and is expected to last three or four weeks. God damn! So first of all, you get sentenced in May. Okay? So regardless of what happens in the what in the Chicago trial, fuck the Chicago trial, although the Chicago trial, let me tell you something. When they get to the Chicago trial, that shit is going to be interesting it is going to be interesting the reason that it is going to be interesting is because this trial will go and really i I don't know how this trial is going to be and the reason why i say that is because you have to really think about it like this okay so how are we getting him on something that he technically got away with you feel what I'm saying to you in 2008 with the child pornography, but are we adding, are we calling it the child pornography because it was the obstruction of justice because he paid off? So if we thought that anything happened in this particular trial, we ain't seen nothing yet. You feel what I'm saying? Like we have not seen 
anything yet. We got him on racketeering. And also, what I'm looking forward to for other articles is I need them because this would this would actually be a miscarriage of justice if you only pinned a racketeering charge on him the, the man cannot racketeer alone so other people will have to go down for this and they will but i do see that this is going to be very very lengthy um and then you have the chicago trial and um i forgot i think there's i feel like there's still one more like I don't know if it's Maryland. I forgot where it is. It's 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 somewhere, but he does have another trial for that. But it's like, yo, your first one, you're already getting. You could also get up to life. Like, bruh, I pray. I absolutely pray for that man, regardless of what he's done. Even though I'm not a supporter, people, people, I pray for him because this sentence is about to be heavy. Everybody thought that you got all of the details with that. Imagine getting details about something that we thought we knew and everybody had an idea about. But now you kind of got to surface that out into evidence. Like, yo, when I tell you all of the stuff that came out, all of it, you're just like, yo, it's more shit on top of more shit on top of more shit. Like, what the fuck? This is crazy. All right. So before we go into the album, I do want to discuss something else. Um, this was not on my manifest, but it has come across my desk. Um, so I am a supporter of Amanda Seals. I love Amanda Seals. I think she is just brilliant. She's my kind of girl. You know, I, I, I love her. I love her mind. I love the way she thinks. All of the things. I'm over y'all for flaming this girl. So right now we are back to Insecure. I'm so super excited. It's back for its fifth season. It just aired last Sunday. There's a new episode this Sunday. Um, I'm so super excited for all of the things. Cool, right? So in one of the episodes, well, well, in the in this new episode that that just aired. Um, apparently the sorrows of Alpha Kappa Alpha or the AKAs now have a issue. And I say now have an issue with Amanda Seals' character, Tiffany Dubois, who has had on, they, they went to, um, if you haven't seen the episode, they went to a college reunion and literally she had on in one of the scenes the aka sweater okay um a number of things um had transpired where they were kind of like why does she wear that and how could she wear it and this that and the third and you know coming from a lot of the sorrows of aka okay understandable however if you all had a problem with this and you found out the insecure and the producers and the writers, because first of all, let's start off with the, the main thing. Tiffany Dubois is a character and is not Amanda Seals. So don't at Amanda Seals for that because it don't make no sense. Um, but if the sorority had an issue with this, they should have brought that up in the beginning 
when you saw Molly sipping out of an AKA cup with the insignia on the AKA cup or all her AKA stuff that's been around her apartment forever that you see as she's a proud AKA all up and through and in her home. Even though these are characters and fictional characters, I may add, on TV. Okay, so that's one issue. That is the surface issue. Now, apparently, like we said, allegedly, Insecure did not get from the frater- from the sorority to um permit to to utilize that. Get that. Completely understand that. You know, um. Everyone wants to pay homage and, well, a good respect to the D9 and, you know, for them crossing the desert sands, for anyone who's done that. You know, our fraternities and sororities, especially in black cultures and HBCUs, are big. Matter of fact, pencil that because I want to, I said HBCU, so I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, So then, in addition, what I want people to really think about is this. I am so sick of the amount of sheer outrage, fake outrage that entered. Because if you thought about that and you specifically are mad about this, this is something that a main character has flaunted and has had and people have known about for the last five years. Six years, actually. Seven years. Six six years within that, in that time frame, roughly. So, in the same episode, Tiffany and Kelly both have on Gucci. Now, I've done this podcast for the last four years. And in the midst of that, we talked about we wasn't fucking with Gucci no more. Gucci don't fuck with us. Gucci don't respect us. Gucci um, puts out just racially demeaning things in their, in their, in their um, interpretation of fashion. This, that, and the third. They, they don't represent us. Okay, all of those things, but that is not what you're mad at. You're mad at some colors and a letter, and some letters. Not demeaning what those colors and letters mean to people that have crossed the sands. I am not saying that, but what I am saying is, you wait until now for this to be the controversy behind the show. Like, if that was the case, if you felt that strongly, you really should have said that in, like, the first season, the second season, you know what I'm saying to you? But as you see now, cancel culture has been a big thing and everybody goes up for Amanda Seals. Amanda Seals can't scratch her ass without y'all saying something because she has an opinion. So I noticed that, that both girls had on Gucci, which again, in, in any climate right now, should still be racially insensitive because again, one of their lines had the 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 blackface mammy lips as part of a turtleneck. Like that's cool, and had, and in the advertisement had them roll up the turtleneck. Like y'all y'all cool with that, but y'all alright with that? Mind you, we got way bigger issues out here in the world than the AKAs, their colors, and their representation, which their representation wasn't mocked it wasn't tarnished it didn't it didn't do it showed another black woman celebrating her cross over to the sands as a fictional character let us continue to put that out there and then on turn if you want to be mad if someone else should be mad at the show let's not forget that we have bloods crit walking in Issa's apartment. 
So I really want y'all to pick out battles. You do this all the time. Y'all need to pick your battles. What are we talking about here? Yo, pick your battles. Like, here's the thing. I even thought about it today. I was sitting down. I was talking with my manager, with my assistant manager. And I was, we were talking about, you know, clothes or whatever. And I was like, yo, damn, I'm thinking about um maybe possibly shopping at H&M again. Yo, I looked at H&M. H&M does not represent us. They still don't give a fuck. The, the, the models that are on there don't look nothing like, like, yo, this is why companies like that, they need to start taking pages out of, like, Fashion Nova's book, Fenty's book. You buy these products because it represents you. You see yourself in those products. I have looked at the Rihanna Fashion Show. I've looked at both, all three of them at least two or three times. And every time I even, one, see something different, or two, see somebody, that I'm like, yo, he my body type. That's how, you know what I'm saying? Or, or damn... Big girls look good as shit in this shit. Like, I see myself in that fashion. When you do not see yourself in the fashion, why are we sitting here buying? Who are we buying this for? Why are we buying this? Gucci don't give a shit about you. H&M don't give a shit about you. And everybody want to claim fake woke. Because in a minute, I was about to be like, well, fuck it. If we back to H&M, I'll just buy it if I want to. I have one, two, actually. And one of them I don't wear, which I'm about to get rid of. I have two, maybe, actually, no, two, maybe four. Four H&M pieces. And I only say H&M pieces because the other two are like t-shirts. But I have two jackets from H&M that I've had for years. I love them, actually. They actually go very much so with my style aesthetic. I refuse to continue patronizing a place that don't give a shit about us. And this rant is not about that in totality. But y'all get so worked up about shit that don't make no fucking sense. Not one. It don't make no sense. Make it make sense. And now, like, the, the, the chapter of the sorority is... Is now trying to boycott it from yo, and not to mention the fact you can't tell me that the rest of that is not going to show up in these next nine episodes. You can't tell me that that paraphernalia is not going to show up. So it kind of is what it is. Amanda Seals is a actress, a comedian, a podcast host, an author, so a philanthropist, so on and so forth. She is also playing a fictional character y'all have the difference between reality and fiction completely fucked up speaking of some fucked up shit excuse me can i can can i speak to the vice president please um excuse me can i can can i speak to sean combs please i'm calling these motherfuckers to the table because hbcus we got to do better I do not know how many times I have watched, and it's been through my timeline, it's been on my Twitter feed, these students at Howard University that are living in these fucked up conditions that have lived in these fucked up conditions for months, and y'all had the audacity to still have a fucking homecoming because all that does is line the motherfucking pockets of the businesses that are around there and line the pockets of the alum 
and 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 the school without the school giving back to the motherfucking students in the dorms. I only called them out as head figures because these are the same figures that utilize students or sorry, utilize Howard or utilize their schools when it comes to a level of convenience for them. So it, when, when it comes to the convenience for your agenda, that's when you decide that you want to do that. Nah, bruh, the shit ain't cool. Where, where is this money being allocated to is the question that we need to ask. In addition, if I was a parent, I need to be up there now. Why? I don't give a fuck how you feel. Because if your child got a scholarship to go there, your child is still eligible to go there. If you, even if you're not paying, y'all not paying for it like that. You got a scholarship to go there. They still working their asses off. I still want my child to be in a good living condition. I'm going up there immediately, knocking on the door like, excuse me, what the fuck is going on? Nobody. And here's the thing. We all want to live up to this oppressor's standard. And y'all know what I mean. But you not ready to go ahead and knock down a door for your motherfucking children. And I don't know all the details in there. I'm not saying that they not. But if I was a parent and my child is going to an HBCU and the living conditions, they're not asking. They're not asking for filet mignon in the motherfucking cafeteria. But the living conditions are not good. Oh, no, we got a motherfucking problem. We have a problem. So, again, I call those people to the table Shout out to the plaintiff's Jane. I watched her her live video yesterday. And I was like, yo, you're absolutely right. Why is it that they utilize, y'all utilize those black students to make y'all more money? What I am tired of with this country in general is everybody out to line their own motherfucking pockets. But then show a claim of humanity when your shit fucked up or your shit don't look right or you want our vote. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop the shit now. You not, you not pulling the wool over nobody's eyes. And for those who think that, that you are, you think that I'm stupid. And when you think that I'm stupid now, I'm ready to spaz on you. Stop playing with me. So moving on. Because it's unnecessary. It just it agitates my soul. (sighs) Moving on. Um, As you can see from the title. (sighs) When it hurts so bad. Why does it feel so good? Because the miseducation of Lauren Hill. I am so excited. To do this album. I am honored to do this album. Um, There was... Um, another podcast that I was listening to that actually did in that, if I remember the name of the podcast, um, they did more of a full analysis and had weeks and weeks of this. Um, but I'm going to do the short abridged synopsis to this, but this album meant everything to me. I remember the first day of popping the CD into my seat in my three track CD player. And I listened to the CD from beginning to end no skips and half of it for where I was because I was about 15 16 when this came out and I just didn't realize 
the severity of all of the topics that Lauren was talking about. And what makes it even crazier is if you really go back and listen to it, it's still a classic in that way because it still delves into topics that we talk about today. And in addition, if you listen to it, hi. Oh, it's a moment. Let me tell you. Sonically, it's a moment. Okay. But it is a moment. It make you feel your feels and all of the things. So... Here we go. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is a debut solo album by American singer and rapper Lauryn Hill. It was released August 25th, 1998 by Rough House Records and Columbia Records. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is a neo-soul and R&B album with some songs based in hip-hop soul and reggae. The lyrics touch upon Hill's pregnancy and the turmoil within her former group, the Fugees, along with themes of love and God. And in addition, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, the album title itself was inspired by the film and autobiography novel, The Education of Sonny Cranston and Carter G. Woodson, The Miseducation of the Negro. After touring with the Fugees, Hill became involved in a romantic relationship with Jamaican entrepreneur Rohan Marley and shortly after became pregnant with their child. This pregnancy was, as other circumstances in her life, inspired Hill to make a solo album. Recording sessions for the album took place from late 1997 to June uh, 1998, mainly at Tough Gone Studios in Kingston. As Hill collaborated with a group of musicians known as Newark in writing the pro- and producing the songs, the album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 charts, selling 422,624 copies in its first week, which broke a record for first week sales by a female artist. It was promoted with the release of the hit single, Do Wop That Thing, X Factor and Everything is Everything, while Lost Ones and Can't Take My Eyes Off You were released as promotional singles to further promote the album. Hill made television appearances, uh, sorry, television performances on Saturday Night Live and the Billboard Music Awards before embarking on a sold out worldwide concert tour. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill was among the most acclaimed albums of 1998. Um, most Critics praised Hill's presentation of a woman's view on life and love, along with her um, artistic range. At the 41st Annual Grammy Awards, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill earned 10 nominations, winning five awards, making Hill the first woman to receive that many nominations and awards in one night. The album's success propelled Hill to international superstardom and contributed to bringing hip-hop and neo-soul to the forefront of popular music. Newark, however, felt Hill had had felt Hill and her record label did not properly credit the group as did not properly credit the group on the album. A lawsuit filed by the group was settled out of court in 2001. Since its release, 
the album has been ranked in numerous best albums lists with a number of critics regarding it as one of the greatest albums of the 1990s, as well as one of the greatest albums of all time. Among its honor are inclusions in Rolling Stone magazines, 500 greatest albums of all time list, um, Harvard University, Lebo Music uh, uh, Library, the Smithsonian National, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History, and the Library of Congress National Recording Registry. In 2021, the album was certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. I didn't know that. That's actually dope, though. Uh, for estimated sales of 10 million copies in the U.S., making Hill the first female rapper to accomplish his feat. Worldwide, the album also sold over 20 million copies, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. The best-selling album by a female rapper and the best-selling neo-soul album of all time. It remains Hill's only studio album. Solo studio album. A little bit of background. In 1996, Lauryn Hill met Rohan Mali while touring um, as a member of the Fugees. The two gradually formed a close relationship and while on tour, Hill became pregnant with his child. The pregnancy and other circumstances in her life inspired her to record the solo album after contributing to fellow Fuji member Wyclef's 1997 solo record Wyclef Presents the Carnival. Hill took time off from touring and recording due to her pregnancy in case of writer's block. The pregnancy, however, um, renewed Hill's creativity as she recalled in an interview several years later. Quote, when some women are pregnant, their hair and their nails grow. But for me, it was my mind and the ability to create. I had the desire to write in a capacity that I hadn't done in a while. I don't know if it's a hormonal or emotional thing. I was very in touch with my feelings at the time, end quote. Of the early writing process, Hill said, quote, Every time I got hurt, every time I was disappointed, every time I learned, I wrote a song. While inspired, Hill wrote 30 songs with the Attic Studio in South Orange, New Jersey, Many of these songs drew upon the turbulence in the Fugees, as well as past love experiences. In the summer of 1997, as Hill was due to give birth to her first child, she was requested to write a song for a gospel musician, C.C. Winans. Several months later, she went to Detroit to work with the soul singer, Aretha Franklin, writing and producing her song, A Rose is Still a Rose. Franklin would later have Hill... Uh, direct the song's music video. Shortly after this, Hill did writing. Uh, Hill did writing work for Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, having written songs for uh, artists in gospel, hip hop, and R and B, she drew on the influences and experiences to record the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which is very valid because when you hear some of the the, the theme, the musicality, um, some of it 
sounds like you're going going to church um some of it gives you that that hip-hop flavor uh some of it gives you that reggae flavor and gives you what the the neo soul was for r&b at the time and it is still like i said it's, it's one of the top it is definitely at the top of my list of like favorite favorite albums of all times i just i, I will always i will always love this album i will always think about um being kind of sort of at the time I think I was in one of my really first real relationships even though it ended very quickly but still I, you know I was in one of my first relationships and Lauren Hill was is was the soundtrack to that um and it's still and it played well beyond and still does we're over 20 some odd years later and it still plays so well let's talk about the music and the lyrics a neo-soul and R&B album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, incorporates musical styles such as soul, hip-hop, and reggae. Some songs are based in hip-hop. When It Hurts So Bad is musically old roots reggae mixed with soul. While mostly in English, Forgive Them Father and Lost Ones both feature singing in patois. Oh, it does. Dang, I almost forgot about that. Which is com- which is the common dialect in Jamaica. Although heaven heavily, although heavenly R and B, the song "Superstar" contains an interpolation of the rock song "Light My Fire" by The Doors. Oh, it does. Damn, I forgot all about that song. Um, Hill said that. She didn't want to come out with a Fuji's type sound, but create something that was uniquely and very clearly a, a Lauren Hill album. She also said that she did not intend for the album's sound to be commercially appealing. There's too much, quote, there's too much pressure to have hits these days. Artists are watching Billboard instead of exploring themselves. Look at someone like Aretha. She didn't hit her first album. She she didn't hit with her first album, but she was able to grow up and find herself. I wanted to make honest music. I don't like things to be too perfect or too polished. People may criticize me for that, but I grew up listening to Al Green and Sam Cooke. When they hit a high note, you actually felt it, end quote. Much of Hill's lyrics dealt with motherhood, the Fugees, uh, reminiscing love, heartbreak, and God. Commenting on the album's gospel content, Hill stated, Gospel music is music um, inspired by the gospel. A huge respect... um, in, in a huge respect, uh, a lot of music turned out to be just that. During this album, I turned to the Bible and wrote songs and uh, they drew comfort. Where was I? I just lost my place. Sorry. Um, okay, sorry. Uh, um, I drew comfort from several of the album songs such as Lost One, Superstar, X Factor, and Forgive Them Father were widely speculated as direct 
attacks at Fuji members Wyclef and Praz. X Factor was originally intended for a different artist. However, Hill decided to keep it after it was completed due to its personal content. Although a large portion of the album's love songs would turn out to be bitter from Hill's previous relationship, Nothing Even Matters, a duet performed by Hill and R&B singer D'Angelo, showcased, I love that song, by the way, that is one of my favorite, showcased a brighter, more intimate perspective on the subject. The song was inspired by Hill's relationship with Rohan Marley. Speaking about Nothing Even Matters lyrics, Hill remarked, I wanted to make a song a Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway. Oh, that is such an ingenious situation. And give people a, hu- a, human- a humanistic... Sorry, I can't speak to that. I can't speak none of the days. Y'all know that. Don't judge me. Humanistic approach to love again without all the physicality and overt sexuality why is there not more lauren hill in life i think we've gotten our moment and that moment is gone uh to zion among the more introspective tracks on the album spoke about how lil's family lil's hill's family (laughs) comes before her career and her decision to have her first child, even though many at the time encouraged her to abort the pregnancy so as to not conflict with her uh, burgeoning career. In an interview, she discussed the song's origin and significance, committing um, names would, wouldn't come when I was ready to have him. The only name that came to me was Zion. I was like, is Zion too much of a heavy weight to carry? But this little boy, man, slash man, I would say he personally delivered me from my emotional and spiritual drought. He just replenished my newness. When he was born, I felt like he was born again. She further stated... I wanted it to be a revolutionary song about a spiritual moment and also about my spiritual change going from one place to another because of my son. That is so deep. That girl is just, I, 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 yeah, that's a deep moment. And I, and, and, you know, of course, shout out to all the mothers, expecting mothers. P.S. And by the way, my little sister is having her first baby and it is a girl and I'm very, very excited for her. Um, but just to know that, you know, y'all feel so deeply and as a man, I, I will never understand that, but just the level of just knowing that you like, look, I made the right decision. I'm bringing this life into this world. This, this life chose me. I didn't choose it. And all of those things are just great and such a huge undertaking that, like I said, men will never understand. Throughout the miseducation of Lauren Hill, several interludes of a teacher speaking to what is implied to be a classroom of children are played. The teacher was a play on play was played by American poet and politician Roz Braca speaking to a group of children in the living room of Hill's New Jersey home. Hill requested that Braca's uh, speaks to the children about the concept of love, which he improved in the lecture. 
Um, Slant Magazine, Paul's Paul Sherrod, sorry if I'm messing up the name on, remarked on the title reference of Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the Negro. Um, Hill adapts Woodson's thesis and makes it part of her own art, <clears throat> um, artistry and process. Like the songs themselves, the intro and outro classroom scenes suggest a larger community working to redefine itself. Along with Woodson's book, the album's title was inspired by the film and autobiography, autobiography novel, The Education of Sonny Carson. <clears throat> um, so, this album, again, it's just, it's, it's influence and legacy will mean everything to people who were there in that moment for that time. It's just iconic, but let's read a little bit more into that and then we can wrap it up and get into the tracks and why I love the tracks. Um, Hill in 2005. With the album's success, Hill became a national media icon as magazines ranging from Time to Esquire to Teeny People vied to place her on the front cover. In February 8th, 1999, Time cover story, Hill was credited for helping fully assimilate hip-hop into mainstream music, making her the first hip-hop artist to ever appear on the magazine's front cover. John Kamerikonik, um, writing in Rolling Stone Album Guide in 2004, called it as earnest, unpretentious, and pleasantly sloppy. <laughs> I love it. I love when you give a good compliment like that. Pleasantly sloppy, an album as any woman of the hip-hop genre has ever made, and said that by appealing to a wide spectrum of listeners with hip-hop filtered through a womanist lens, the album propelled Lil... Lil... The album propelled Hill to superstardom of epic proportions, and the focal point of the focal point at hip hop crossover into mainstream music journalist, Peter Shapiro, uh, cited it as the ultimate crossover album of hip of the hip hop era while ranking it 314 on their 500 greatest albums of all time. Rolling Stone credited Hill with taking 1970 soul and making it boom and signify to the hip hop gener and significant to to the hip hop generation of the time the magazine proclaims uh sorry the magazine's placement of the miseducation at number 10 on a revised edition of the 2020 made it the highest ranking rap album on the list Along with Erica Badu's 1997 Baduism, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was also an important release in neo-soul music scene. According to Ebony Magazine, it brought the neo-soul genre to the forefront of popular music and became the genre's most critically acclaimed and popular music. According 
to the Encyclopedia of African American Music in 2010. Some tracks are based more in hip-hop soul than neo-soul, but the record is filled with live music and and layered harmonies. And therefore, it is a transcending record that contains modern hip-hop, R&B, and classic soul music together, creating groundbreaking work for what followed into, I'm sorry, it, it, what followed it in the neo-soul genre. On the Miseducation's 15th anniversary in 2014, American rapper Nas reviewed the album in XXL, hailing it as a model for artists of all generations to follow. He also called it a timeless record, pure music, and said it represented the time period, a serious moment in black music, when young artists were taking charge and breaking through doors. In 2015, the miseducation of Lauryn Hill was deemed critically, historically, and esoterically significant by the Library of Congress and selected for inclusion in the National Recording Registry, becoming the first album by a solo artist to receive this honor. In 2017, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was among the first batch of albums to preserved to be preserved in Harvard University um, Lobus Music Library. The album was all, has also been included in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History. Miseducation remains Hill's only studio album. After its success, the singer shunned her celebrity status and pursued a private life while raising six children. But both personal and professional difficulties followed. As Miami New Times journalist Julianne Akoyla explained, she was reported to have spent years on a spiritual quest while dealing with bipolar disorder. Which I don't know how true that was. Um, she was sued over songwriting credit. She served a three month prison sentence in 2013 for tax evasion. She was deemed a diva and wanting to be called Miss Hill. Mm, no, that's when you get older, sometimes that's what you want to be called. And criticized for her erratic performances in October 2018, Hill embarked on a concert tour, um, ceremoniously ceremoniously uh for the 20th anniversary of the miseducation in its anticipation akoli reflected on the album in the context of the me too movement of recent years against the backdrop hill's own description of mistreatment carry validation and support of victims for women who came up during miseducation zenith Attending Hill's 2018 performance could serve as a measure of how much the world around them has changed and how many things remain the same. Her crash course on life is still very much relevant. It could all be so simple, but it's not. That is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Excuse me, Miss Hill. It it was a moment between the intro, Lost One, X Factor, 
to Zion, which featured Carlos Santana on the sitar, which was great. Um, it also featured, I'm sorry, again, this is what happens when you lose your place. Um, you also have Doo-Wop That Thing, Superstar, Final Hour, When It Hurts So Bad. I used to love him featuring Mary J. Blige. And this was, again, the, for me, was just the, the epic time when I loved, and I still love Mary, but I just want to tell you how deep my love for Mary J. Blige was at the time. Um, Forgive Them Father, Every Ghetto, Every City, Every Ghetto, Every City, and Suburban Place I've Been. Yes, that was my shit. Nothing Even Matters featuring D'Angelo. Everything is everything um, in the miseducation of Lauren Hill with bonus tracks. Um, can't take my eyes off of you. <sighs> so good. And then tell him as well. This album means so much to so many of us, especially when you're looking at like I nah, 90, what, 96. Seven, eight, nine, two thousand. Uh, about like nineteen ninety eight. I was in high school, so ninety nine. You know, I was like, I want to say, I might have been in my sophomore year at that particular point, and it just it, ooh, it just spoke to just a lot of different themes, um, and just healing and loving and what relationships could be or what they should look like or do we even know what love is one of the things that i learned and one of my takeaways from all of this was i didn't even know that the skits were actually in in her new jersey apartment like i had no idea i when you listen to the skits now it's going to make me listen to the skits a little bit differently because when you listen to the skits you're you're you hear it in a classroom setting but you don't realize that that's actually an apartment that's crazy that's crazy there's something else that you know i just learned um i absolutely love this i i love this album go back give it a full listen don't deprive yourself of giving this album a full listen um but that is that's gonna wrap up this episode and i'm gonna be back with another one next week that i already have been working on because i heard one song and i was like yo we gotta go over this one because this is just is it's just the thing i think we definitely gotta go over this one as well all right so uh don't forget about the kick that lyric that is going to be a thing. I was just looking for my notes. That's why I sound like that. Okay. So don't forget about the kick that lyric. It's probably evident after reading everything that I've read today. So definitely do that. Um, in addition, you can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, which is YouTube Music, Google Podcast, your purple podcast player for my iPhone users, um, Spotify, and also the YouTube channel, which will be coming back as well. Again, if you're in the Baltimore region, don't forget that I am hosting this weekend from 9 to 1230 at the Green Turtle in Owens Mill. So make sure y'all come out, join me, support your boy, trying to get back to work, trying to get back to some normalcy, trying to make a little bit of coin to line my pocket because clearly I got to. I don't have no choices uh, in life. Um, aside from that, y'all just kicked it with Young Smooth once again. Don't you feel better about it? I know you do. All right, y'all.